my soul. Hallelujah. Praise God. How many pastors do we still have here out of the fast that we just came off here? One, two, three. Only three of you? They all headed back, I guess. Hallelujah. But pastors have been locked up. I hope you've been praying for them. Pastors from across the nation has come and joined. And we kind of come together every couple of months and pray and fast uh, three or four days here. And we're praying and fasting for God's will to be done in our life so that we can help God speak into your life. So we hope that you are praying and fasting with them. But it's my joy tonight to uh, introduce to you. How many did, of you smelt the odor when you came in? From, that's why we got this at a premium price. And uh, <laughs> no. Now, if you'd wonder what kind of smell that is, that is hog defecation. For all you city folks, that's just plain hog waste. And uh, we store it up so we can have these moments of reminiscing every once in a while. And uh, so, and uh, if you don't like something that strong, you come back later and then we'll be recycling the cow waste. And uh, so, uh, this is really what fertilizer smells like. It's not what you get in your bag. And uh, so, but we're glad that you're here tonight. And I believe that God is going to do something. I believe that God moves us into moments. And every moment brings us to a new moment so that we can be infused with the faith of God, the purpose of God, so that we can move in to the preparation. You know, God unveils to us a little at a time. And God has used all your yesterdays to bring you right here. Doesn't matter what kind of shape you're in, you are right where God needs you to be because God is right where he needs to be for you. And so today, as we just honor the guests to come into our uh, house and to preach to us, uh, he is from Illinois and uh, Chicago. And uh, didn't you live in Chicago? Didn't Rick used to live in Chicago? Yeah, he did. Yeah. It's all the better. He left. But uh, and uh, so I want you to stand to your feet and let's give Bill Winston a good round of applause as he comes to preach to our house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. They must like you. They give me them short bottles. They hey, give you one a big that's bottle. Good. Lord, Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Have your liberty. Right. Praise God. Don't let them go until you know they got it. Praise God. Amen. You'll see you next Thursday. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me uh, get myself all straight here. Uh, I bid you greetings from Chicago, where God lives, and he lives here too. Praise God, I know. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for this wonderful church and the great leadership that you've raised up here. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing that's in this house upon me and these lips of clay that I speak this word with excellence and accuracy and boldness. Asking you to think through my mind, speak through my lips, and this word will come forth unhindered, unchecked by any outside force. And now we give you the praise for it all and fully expect signs, wonders, and miracles to confirm the word preached. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Can somebody shout amen? amen. Take a seat, please. Well, it's good to be here. I have to admit, I don't know where I am right now, but uh, <laughs> praise God. But it is good to be here. I want to put this right down here, so I might have to go get it. Uh, this, uh, this that uh, I, I just really like to to speak to God's people because I know the key is that we've got to get the gospel in the earth. We've got to get it everywhere that God wants it spoken and preached and taught. We've, we're responsible for doing that. And um, the only reason this world can drift into darkness is because the church is not doing its job. And um, so... I'm going to set this right here for 47 minutes. I'm just letting you know so you can say, okay, I can count down. I know, I know when he's going to quit. Okay. The uh, guarantee it's going to go by so fast you won't even know it. <clears throat> um, I want to speak to you tonight on restoring the years, restoring the years. If you would, open up with me to Joel chapter 2, Joel chapter 2. Now, <clears throat> the Prophet Joel, I mean, this, this is powerful stuff. A lot of times we read, and I'm going to read, I'm going to start reading here over in verse 23, but uh, you might want to start at the beginning of chapter 2 because there's, there, there, there's a prophetic word about the church and um, what God is doing in this hour. And um, this this that I'm starting to read here kind of leaves off some of the other stuff that's extremely important uh, about what's going to happen in the last days to the church. Church, the church is um, in the last days um, is is going to be. Um, I'm looking for the word for it. It's going to be invincible. Invincible. Um, do you remember when Abram was down in, I guess, in Philistine country again, and down there in Genesis chapter 20, and King Abimelech uh, took Sarah into his palace. And the Bible says in... Um, in, um, in, cha in uh, chapter 20 and verse 3, that God came to Abimelech in a dream, and he said, you're but a dead man, for you have another man's wife. Well, Abimelech, you know, he began to plead his case uh, before God. He said, hey, I, listen, I, the, the man said this was his sister. So, don't, in other words, don't blame me. <laughs> but the Bible says also 
that it talks about this, this what happened to Abimelech after that. It says, verse, verse 7, it says, Now, therefore restore the man his wife, for he is a prophet, and he shall pray for you, and you shall live. Now, I want you to see this. <clears throat> he shall pray for you, and you shall live. In other words, if he doesn't pray for you, you're not going to live. Now, I want you to see this because this, you look at the life of Abraham. I'm teaching on it now. The life of Abraham, I'm teaching on the faith of Abraham. But in the life of Abraham, you look at a lot of what happened to Abraham, and you can gauge your life by that. You can look at the, the, the Christian walk, a lot of things. But the, because he got Sarah and took her into his palace, he couldn't touch her. And God saying, you got someone that you're not supposed to touch. You remember over in the uh, um, book of Psalms, Touch Not My Anointed, Psalm 105, and do my prophets no harm. See, all this is the last days. All this is the last days that, that the number one job of the Holy Spirit, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit in the last days is that he is going to bring protection to God's people. Um, the word for it is vengeance. And vengeance is not revenge. It's not God mad at somebody. It's the justice system of God. And people can't touch you without being judged. It, this is the last days now, folks. I'm, I'm telling you what's going to happen in the last days. Why? Because anybody that's hindering the move of the gospel forward, that God's justice is going to deal with them. And it, this, is, this is prophetic here. Um, if you... If you in, in that, now I didn't know, plan on starting to this. This must be the Holy Spirit. And he said in verse 17, And Abraham prayed unto God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maidservants, and they bear, uh, 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 and, and they bear children, for the Lord had fast closed up all their womb. They couldn't even have any more children. Now, what happened? The curse moved in. Why? Because they touched God's anointed. And I'm saying that this, this, this God says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, vengeance is mine and I will recompense, saith the Lord. So one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit in the last days is to protect God's people. It's to execute vengeance 
um, for all that are oppressed, for those who are, the enemy is coming in trying to keep us from spreading the gospels, from getting this word out, from um, finishing the job that God has called us to do. Now, I'm, 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 I know this is probably foreign to you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you something. Let me, let me show you something. I'm, I'm, I'm led to do this, praise God. If you look at Acts in chapter 13, now this is not my message, but God is leading me here for a reason. Acts chapter 13. Over in Acts chapter 13, what happened here at verse 6, it says, when they had gone through the Isle of Patmos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with a deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul, why? Desiring to hear the word of God. But Elymas the sorcerer, for so is named by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Notice what he was doing. He was blocking the gospel. And notice what happened. Vengeance. Judgment came on him. Now, I'm telling you that because this is for mature Christians. See, he didn't do that. It says him filled with the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Ghost is executing vengeance in these last days upon people who are trying to stop the people of God from getting the gospel out. And you're going to see this. You're going to see it start being preached and everything. It's a powerful thing. Now, in this, you got to understand that when this, this dispensation is coming in and when we get a faith for this, Satan cannot even touch your kids. <laughs> cannot even touch your kids. I'm telling you, there's this some powerful stuff going on that's about to happen here. We are in the last of the last days. Amen. Let's come back to uh, the book of Joel. All right, I want to read this. I'll start reading in verse 23. Be glad, then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down to you the rain, the former rain in the and the latter rain in the first month. Now, where you see rain, if you can write in your Bible, just put anointing. Anointing. Okay? Now, Watch what he says next. And he said the former rain. The former rain is the rain of evangelism. The former rain mainly is for gathering in. The latter rain mainly is for uh, beautifying. 
for beautifying the church. All right, let's keep going. Verse 24. And the floor shall, uh, floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I'll restore the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, that caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army, which I sent among you, and you shall eat plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you, and my people shall never be ashamed. So the rain is going to wash away shame. Okay? Now, this, this, this is big, folks. This is real big. Anything that's been harassing you is going to quit. Anything that, I'm, all of this, this, this is big. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you just the entrance part of this uh, so I can give it to you so that, see, there's a reason why. I remember Sister Gloria Copeland. She said a lady came to her and said, you know, Sister Copeland, I'm trying all I can to get my healing, and I just haven't gotten it. She said, do you know what my problem is? She said, sure. You don't know enough. Now, that sounds like oversimplification, and she certainly wasn't trying to be smart, you know, Sister Gloria. But the fact of it is, is that knowledge is what's needed. And the thing about it, is a lot of church folk think they have it. But this, this, there, there's a whole bunch of knowledge down here and here that we need to still dig for. Are you following what I'm saying? See, if things are not going the way God, you know, has planned for them to go in the, in the scriptures, then we got to keep digging for some knowledge. Say amen to that. All right, let's go on down. <clears throat> Verse 27. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God and none else, and my people shall never be ashamed. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. All right, let's look at this, see how the Lord structured this thing here. Now, <clears throat> he is talking about the anointing. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Because if I go back in the garden, I'm going to see a man named Adam first. And how God in Genesis chapter 2 called Adam to name the animals. Now this is without going to the Ohio State University. Got it? Some, some way Adam was able to name animals, I mean, plants, crawlers, buggers, whatever he named them, and never gone to school. Never gone to school. Now, if I take this same thought and, just a minute, if I take this same thought and I go over to John's gospel and John and John chapter 7 and verse 14, now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. 
And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Let me give you another translation, Amplified. Without formal training. Let me give you another one in Living Bible and Good News Bible. And he's never gone to our schools. Now, how does he know this? Now, how, how, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute now, wait a minute. Uh, <clears throat> wait a minute. Now, how, how, how does he know this? Well, it's interesting what Jesus said. And that's found over in John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 10. Jesus said, Believeth thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father in me, he's doing the work. So we found out where Jesus came into the earth as a child, a baby, an infant, born of a virgin. And grew, the Bible says, in wisdom and stature. So right there, the key is he wasn't operating as God. Because how is God going to grow in wisdom? And then it says that at 30 years old, here he was, he came to the place where a man was baptizing named John the Baptist. And he said, it's you, you should be baptized me. He said, no, 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 let's keep, let's keep the record straight. You baptize me. He baptized him. And when he came up, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, empowering him. Now, wait a minute. If he was functioning as God, why would you need to empower him? Because he wasn't functioning as God. He was functioning. He called himself the Son of Man. Now, we know he was a son of God, but he could not function as the second person of the Godhead. If he did in this earth, he would violate Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Let them have dominion. Couldn't do it. Well, now he's got to be a man anointed of God. Got it? Now, this only thing I'm saying, if you go to Genesis now and chapter 14 and verse 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I'm going to the Father. Wow. So what I'm doing, I'm going to be a sample son for you. I'm going to show you that what I'm doing, you can do. If you have what I have, call the anointing. Because it's not me that's doing it. It's the anointing that's doing it. Now this is very important. Because if I back up and really look at this and examine it for what it says, whatever can be said about Jesus should be said about you. I'll try it one more time. Whatever can be said about Jesus should be said about you. 
One more time. Whatever could be said about Jesus should be said about you. Now, why? Because of Joel. Joel said, hey, I'm going to pour out my spirit in the last days upon all flesh. Why did he say all flesh? Because in the Old Testament, the spirit was poured out mainly on prophets, on priests, and on kings, and those who were designated to do a special work. Not in the, not in the New Testament. Because the New Testament, he got a name for you. It's called Christians. Body of the anointed one. And the anointing goes from head down. So wow, as I come to Christ, I get anointed. Isn't that wonderful? Now, what does that anointing do? It empowers me to do whatever needs to be done on the level that God can do it. Am I going too fast for you? So we get a good picture of that over here in 2 Kings. And in 2 Kings, we have this prophet following around the older prophet, meaning that Elisha was following Elijah. Now, Elijah is about to be taken up. Now, Elijah worked miracles. Why? Because the anointing was on him. And so, here's this anointing on Elijah, and it says in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 12, but Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said this, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had also, also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. What happened? He took the mantle that fell from Elijah. Why? It wasn't Elijah that was working the miracles. It was the anointing. So when the anointing fell, he picked it up, but he asked for something, a double portion. Is what Elijah told him, you're asking for a hard thing. This is mission impossible. But God could do it. And what happened? He gave him a double portion, and what did he do? He did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Watch this. Jesus left, sent back the Holy Ghost, and told you, you're going to do greater works than he did. Let's go to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. 
Over in Numbers chapter 11, this is Moses. He's out in the wilderness dealing with a hard-headed bunch of people. I'm just putting that in my own words. And look what it says in verse 17. This is God speaking. And I will come down and I will talk with thee there and I will take of the spirit which is upon you and I'm going to put it on them so that they may bear the burden and the people with thee and thou bear it not thyself alone. So here's what I'm going to do, Moses. Let me help you out. Right now, you've been counseling all the people. They've been all coming to you, and Jethro told you, if you keep doing that, you're going to wear yourself out. You're not going to live long. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the anointing on you, and I'm going to spread it on them. And Moses, without going and getting your uh, masters in counseling, I'm going to have them to counsel just as good as you do. I'm trying to help you all now. See, if you're going to try to compete with the world, odds are you're going to either come out worn out or lose. Because Satan knows that game. God didn't call you to compete. He called you to dominate. That's a whole different level of empowerment. Let's go to Daniel chapter 1. Are you all with me? Now, I'm telling you what you got. Now, don't say, well, I'm too old. Don't say, I'm too young. That makes no difference. You're not doing it. The anointing is doing it. Did I come to the right place here tonight? <laughs> Daniel. Chapter 1. See, I always believe that I show up where God wants me to come. I, I was kind of studying while we were coming here, you know, and I didn't really look up until we got here, and I, I look, where are we? You know. <laughs> I'm right where he wants me to be. <laughs> That's where we are. Look what he says. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. And for as these four children, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Wow. So in all learning, meaning I can go to the secular schools, but God's going to put some super on my natural. He said, you'll have more understanding than all your teachers. Look at verse 20. Isn't this good? See, this is all talking about you. See, you're going to have a million dollars in the Bank of New York and die without it if you don't know it's in there. I'm telling you, 
what's in you. Guaranteed, you'll never be the same after tonight. I call it a drive-by. Look what it says here. Look at verse 20. And in all manner of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them how many times better? Ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers and all, with the, and all the realm. Wow. 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 How many times better? Ten times better. Let's go over to Judges chapter 15. Am I taking you too, too many scriptures? Judges chapter 15. I really like building up God's people. Folks, I'm telling you, we're about to be a showcase for God. You watch and see. You're about to see some things happen now through the church you've never seen happen before. Look what he said in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 14. And when he came into the Leah, um, Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, talking about Samson, and the cords that were upon his hands, uh, arms became as flax that was burned with fire and his bands loosed from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. I want you to know something. The same anointing that's on him is on you. Everything I've read so far, that same anointing, no degradation. You know how you can take a piece of paper and copy it over and then copy that over and copy, pretty soon it's so faded, not with the anointing. Just as strong as it was on Adam, it's on you. Now look, so I can say that the anointing will cause me to be a thousand times more. What do I mean by that? What it takes a thousand days to do, it'll take you one day. What it takes a thousand men to do, you could do it in one verse. Isn't this wonderful? Let's go to chapter 16. So in chapter 16, here is this woman, Delilah. Woo, woo. Hey, hey. And Samson sees her and kind of falls for her. Now that's forbidden fruit. But now here he is. And so she presses him as to where does his, the source of his strength. Verse 16. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. And if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak 
and be like any other man. Slow down now. Compared to one who's anointed, one who is not is called weak. I just read it. If that anointing leaves me, I'll be like any other man who is weak. Isn't that wonderful? So anybody compared to you is weak if they don't have the anointing. If they're not born again, if they're not in the kingdom of God, I'm not putting them down, I'm putting you up. I'm letting you know that you are not to look at them and try to gauge whether or not you can pass their IQ test because your IQ cannot be measured. Now let's prove that. Let's go to Job chapter 32. Isn't this wonderful? You, 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 you can negate that anointing by saying things like this. Uh, uh, we can't afford that. Boom. Anointing just stopped. You know, every year I catch the flu. Mm. Yeah, it won't override your will. He got tempted here. Got into some stuff shouldn't have got into. Now, what's the first thing that happened? What did I tell you to turn, by the way? Job, okay. Now, that's not Job. You might need one. We'll pray for you. Praise God, but that is Job right there. But if you look at the next part of that with Samson, you can read it on your own. Notice what they did. They took him. They put him in chains and, and bound him up and so forth. And then they made him plow like an ox. Watch this. Put out his eyes and made sport of him. They laughed at him. And I dare say that Satan is pointing his bony finger at the church and say, hey, I dare you to put those Bibles back in those schools. I dare you to undo same-sex marriage. I dare you. Then the church sits there. Y'all don't mind if I tell you the truth, do you? But you watch. Those things are going to be changing. Why? Because my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. If you look at Isaiah 5 and verse 13, it says they're in captivity because of lack of knowledge. Oh, anybody can read the Bible, but I just showed you some stuff in the Bible that you've been reading all the time that you've probably never seen in your life. Now, here's the deal. Whatever I give you, you're going to be held accountable for it. This ain't free. God, in every place, he's having me to preach this. Why? He's about to raise up an army. An army 
of fearless Christians. You remember the first ones that, that Gideon had to get rid of was the ones that feared. Fear paralyzes you. So, look what happened here in Job. Let's take Job chapter 32. Let's start reading at verse 6. And Elihu, the son of Barachel, the Bizite, answered and said, I am young and you are all very old. Wherefore, I was afraid and durst not, durst, yeah, I like that, and durst not. Does not y'all know who I am? <laughs> no, nah, just kidding. And does not show you my opinion. I said days should speak and the multitude of years should uh, teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty that giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the age understand judgment. Therefore, I said, hearken to me. I also will show you my opinion. Now here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to read that out of the message translation. And I'd like somebody, if you have an iPad or something like that, and you can flip to another translation and give me that translation that I can read it from the pulpit here. If you have a message or anybody, uh, anybody have it? Okay. Thank you, sir. Okay, wait. All right. Uh, here's what he says. This is what Elihu, the son of Rachel, the Bizite, said. I am a young man, and you are all old and experienced. That's why I kept quiet, and I held back from joining the discussion. I kept thinking, experience will tell, the longer you live, the wiser you become. But I see I was wrong. It's God's spirit in a person, the breath of the Almighty One that maketh wise human insight possible. The experts have no corner on wisdom. Getting old does not guarantee good sense. So I've decided to speak up, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly what I think. Now notice what he said here. He is saying that just because, hold on just a minute, I got something for you here, Doc. Got a $100 bill, buy yourself some gas. Okay, amen, praise God. Praise God, amen. It pays to have the word of God, Hallelujah. hear what he just said? He said, I see that just because somebody's been in that job before you for 40 years, I'm going to bring you in and make you an expert. I'm going to take you to different places and they're not going to even be able to keep up with you that I'm going to make you a showcase. Now, wait a minute. I'm talking about going to bed stupid and wake up smart. 
Are you, are, are you following what I'm saying? I'm, I'm saying you didn't do this. He said, I'm going to take the foolish things. One man said, God does not speak to smart people. I'm going to take the foolish things and I'm going to use it to confound the wise. Exodus chapter 31, please. How are we doing? Doing okay? Oh, you glad I came? See what kind of time we got. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. All right. Exodus 31. Now I'm talking about the same anointing that is on you. I don't care where you are, where you work, what you've got. I don't care how many schools you've been to, how many Harvard and MIT degrees you have. God's going to have you to excel. He's going to take you above what you can do. All right, Exodus 31. He says, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by name Bezaleel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship to devise cunning works, to work in gold and in silver and in brass and in cutting of stones and set them and in carving of timber to work in all manner of workmanship. And I, be, and I behold, I have given with him Aholiab, the son of Ahashima, of the tribe of Dan. And in the hearts of all that are wise-hearted, I have put what? Wisdom. That they may make all that I have commanded thee. Here's what Jesus said. It's not me. It's the Father in me. He's doing the work. And verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. But greater works than he shall he do, because I'm going to the Father. And that's good preaching right there. You are in a generation of the greater works. you a scripture. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. I read you a scripture. Now, now you, you, you got to remember what Jesus did. Alright? Jesus healed the sick. Am I right? How God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. There was a man in Mark chapter in Matthew chapter 8 called the centurion who came to Jesus and said, My servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. He's grievously tormented. Jesus said this, I'll come and heal him. 
He didn't say, what, 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 did he, what did he got? What, what did he have? He didn't say anything about that. It didn't make any difference what you got. The anointing removes every burden and destroys every yoke. It doesn't make any difference what you've got. So what happens? This anointing. How to receive it. Now how to release it. So here's a woman. I'm sure your past has read you this many times. Verse 25 of Matthew 5. Uh, Mark chapter 5, pardon me. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years, she had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, but nothing better would rather she, she grew worse. And when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and she touched his garment, for she said, If I may just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Yeah. It's interesting what the Amplified says. For she continued to say. Why would she continue to say? Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. As she heard it, and heard it, and heard it, she went from unbelief to belief. And what happened? Faith built up. And when that faith got to its place of deliverance, she put on her Sunday go to meeting hat, put on her dress and said, I'm going to see Jesus. Now understand, she shouldn't have been out of the house having this thing in the Old Testament that says you come out of the house in that condition, you can be stoned. Plus the fact Jesus was walking with a rabbi who could have ordered her stoning. But did that bother her? No. She was walking by faith, come on, and not by faith sight. Human reason goes right out the window. She's walking by faith. It wasn't reasonable. So she got there, touched him. After she touched him, look what it says here in verse 28, for she said, if I may touch its clothes, I shall behold, and straightway, not next week, not five treatments, straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she had been healed of that plague. And Jesus immediately knowing what had done in him, virtue had gone out of him. What's the name for virtue? Power. What's another name for power? Anointing. And that gone out of him and turned him about and the pressure said, now who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, you see the multitude thronging you asking who touched me? He said he looked around about to see her that had done this thing. And the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy what? Faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of your plague. Not healed. Whole. All the money you spent on physicians, restore it. Anointing, the first thing it does is restore the years. Boy, it's powerful, folks. Notice, restored her relationship with her husband, restored her money that she has spent on all these physicians, but nothing better, would rather be worse. 
restored her in the community. I'm telling this woman, she's got all around she is restored. And I'm saying that the way that she got that anointing to flow is by a touch of faith. Once she touched him in faith, can I have a couple more minutes with you before I go? Good. She, by faith, <clears throat> caused that anointing to flow. Jesus didn't even know she was back there. See, you, 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 if you've got the kind of faith that God wants you to have, you can have things any way you want them. In other words, you don't need anybody to lay hands on you. You can receive it while I'm preaching. I want you to hear what I'm telling you right now. So what happened is faith is needed to release that anointing. And you have to step out on it in faith. And a lot of God's people won't step out because they're wondering, oh, I suppose this don't work. Well, that's doubt. You don't get out of the way until you get your faith together. Now, it said this, they that believe shall lay hands on the sick. Come on, come on, help me now. And they shall they didn't say they shall recover if they just got a headache. They shall recover if they got anything. So you've got mysteries now. The Bible says, well, let's turn to it real quick. I'm almost done. Matthew chapter 13, please. Y'all see what I'm saying here? Now, this, this is on you. Now, don't, don't look to, to, to sit in the chair and think you've got to start radiating. That, that's, <laughs> that's not the way the anointing works. <laughs> See, you want to feel it before you put it to work. No, 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 no. Are you with me? Where did I tell you to turn? Matthew 13. All right. Look what he says in Matthew chapter 13. I'll start reading here at verse 10. And the disciples came and said unto him, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said, Because it's given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it's not given. Mysteries. Mysteries. Wow. Mysteries. What are mysteries? Hidden sayings. What's this? Things beyond human comprehension. We can baptize people. Watch this. And bring them up. And people healed. Watch this. I was in starting my ministry in, in Chicago. A lady came in the front door. She said, where's the pastor? I said, I'm the pastor. She said, I need to see you. I said, you see me now, lady. That was a rough area of Chicago. It was rough. You got to be rough. You got to talk. And so what happened? She said, the drug dealers have taken over my block, my city block. 
What are you going to do about it? Why? Because the church is supposed to do something about it. We have an answer to every problem. Don't ever forget that. If you get everything I preach today, don't ever forget that. The answer is in you. You know all things. First John chapter um, two and verse twenty. Now, I said, get in this circle, lady. Let's pray. Now, what did I do? The Bible says you can pray. And you pray mysteries. So all of a sudden, whoo, an answer came down. I said, lady, God's telling me to tell you to take this bottle of oil. I'm the blessed, and you can take it and pour it down the middle of your street. Well, give it here. You know, she was desperate. Too. I mean, you, when you're desperate, boy, you take, you take some crazy stuff. And give it here. Took that bottle, poured it down the middle of that street, came back in four days, four or five days. Pastor, guess what? Well, I knew what because the word won't return void. She said they came out for one hour the next day and left and never came back. You know why? Because the mystery that's in that bottle. Foot washing is a mystery. It gets rid of pride. Praise. A mystery. She can lift your hands and pray in praise. And when you lift your hands in praise, the Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. And you see what Paul and them did. They, were in, in, they were, had just gotten put in jail and at midnight they prayed, watch this, and then gave praises to God. Why? Because when you pray, God dispatches angels. But when you praise, God comes himself. And notice, everything shook. Why? Because praise is a mystery. Your natural mind's figuring out, how does that work? See, praise is what to do when you don't know what to do. I remember I was at ORU in seminary in graduate school there, and, and, and I came on one day, things just wasn't going right. My wife said, sweetheart, why don't we just praise the Lord? I said, I don't want to praise the Lord. That's why we won't praise the Lord. That's crazy. Why? That was the best thing I could have done. The Bible says, out of praise, you can see increase. Praise is like a child that wants mama to pick them up and they lift her arms and God lifts you up out of your dilemma. What am I saying to you? The anointing of God. It's on your life. Jesus said, feed them. 5,000 people plus women and children. They said, hey, wait a minute. 200 pennyworth is not sufficient. In other words, a half year's wages, if we work a half year's wages, we still won't have enough to just give these people a little. But there's a lad here. Now, he's got two fish and five barley loaves, but what is that among so many? Jesus said, that's enough. Bring it to me. You see what they did? The anointing is what they needed, not money. If you are a 
anointed like you are, your money problems are over. Watch this. If you know how to use that anointing and sow into it, it will bring you increase every time. There's something I'm about to do right now. Something I want to get paid off. You know, we've just bought a building, a few million dollars. And, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, so. And I had to sow into an anointing somewhere. Boom. Shop. Next thing I know, 3.5 million came in, paid it off. The man, the man who was going to sell us that piece of property, he didn't even know we were going to get it that quick. See, he had written a contract so that we wouldn't get our earnest money back. But that's what the woman did, whose children were about to be taken, put in bondage. Am I right about it? What did she do? She cried to the man of God. My husband did fear the Lord, and now the creditors come to take him, my two sons, and to put him in slavery. What are you going to do about it? She said, what do you have in your house? Notice what she did. Put a demand on that anointing. And all of a sudden, an answer came out that made the woman a millionaire. She's still counting her money right in heaven right now. I think she's still counting her money. Woman who only had two mites, what did she do? Sold it. Guarantee that woman's one of the biggest real estate owners right now in heaven. You're going to see my property in heaven. Watch, you're going to be walking by it a long time. Is this still Bill Wilson's property? Yeah. Because I understand the anointing. Now, what I've taught you tonight has been under the anointing. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach. You might be working as a secretary somewhere. You might be working as a carpenter or physician or engineer or farmer. Guess what? Why don't you tap into that anointing? Because if you can tap into that anointing, you can go ten times better. got two write-ups. I won't bring them down. The one man's George Washington Carver. Don't know whether you ever heard of him. He was a black man. He was had his uh, laboratory at Tuskegee. He called it God's Little Workshop. What happened is he goes into it. He said he never takes a textbook. He goes into it, locks the door, and when he does, he said God pulls back a curtain. Showed him how to take the peanut apart and put it back together. Gave him 300 products out of a peanut, from face cream to children's crayons. And watch this. Just, the answer's just coming because there's no trial and error in the kingdom. And so now here he is, and pretty soon they called him to the Ways and Means Committee in Washington, D.C., 1821. They said, Dr. Carver, how are you finding out all these things? He said, from an old book. They said, what old book? He said, the Bible. They said, the Bible doesn't say anything about a peanut. No, no, it talks about the God who made the peanut. You see what Satan's trying to do? He's trying to take God out of the schools, God out of the, the media, God out of government, God out of sport. He's trying to take it out of everything. But you are going to put it back in the door. You're going to put it back in the <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Bill Winston, and I approve this message. Give God praise, would you? Come on, give him praise. Come on, receive, receive.
Come on, you receive what I put out there. Come on, receive it. Come on, let's praise him just a little bit more. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Where are my musicians? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Glory to God. Now, I want to do th two things before anybody leaves. Now, remember, you're under the anointing. First thing I want to do is this. If you don't know it, I'm talking about Jesus. I didn't ask you, had you come to a church meeting? Because you can stand in the garage and that don't make you a car. I'm asking you, do you know him? Do you have a personal relationship with him? Because my job is to get you into that anointing starting tonight. To not let you leave here like you came in. In my life, I flew fighters for the military. Vietnam, came back, got a job with IBM, things started going bad for me. I thought I could do well in sales and computers and, and all of a sudden it looked like I was about to fail, but I then cried out one night, just coming in late at night, said, Lord, would you please help me? I remember down in that place, that old church in Tuskegee, Alabama, I remember the preacher saying, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I called on him that night and, and three or four days later, a lady came back by my place at work and said, hey, Bill, do you want to go with me tonight? Well, I was single. She was single. She looked good. I said, yeah. And so we went and she took me to a meeting. That night I received Jesus Christ. I've been on the way up ever since. It turned my life around. I became number one salesman at IBM. I'm telling you, whatever God is going to do for you, he's going to start tonight. Now, I'm calling right now for anybody who doesn't know him. I'm not saying you have to join this church. It may be another church you're going to. But tonight, let me bring you into the kingdom, whoever that is. And you know in your life that you've not been right with God or that you don't have him in your heart. I want to have the privilege of praying with you and watch a miracle start happening starting tonight. Now, whoever it is, take a step of faith. Get out in the aisle. Come down here and stand with me right at this altar and watch what God's about to do. Come on, don't be ashamed of him. He's not ashamed of you. There's some things about to happen to you that you cannot even think. Come on, there's some more that need to come, whoever it is. Now let me call also people who got away from God. You've been born again, but you're living like you're never saved in your life, and you're miserable out there. God's saying, come on home. You're like the prodigal son. Whoever that is, help me shame the devil. Come on down right now. Stand at this altar and watch God do a miracle in your life. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on, let it go. Come on, let him be Lord over your life. Let him be Lord. Watch the Spirit of God take over now. Watch the power of God come in your life. I'm going to make one more call. This call is for people who are holding back. For some reason, you don't want to feel embarrassed. Honey, don't be concerned about the people. Be concerned about God. God is the one that's going to keep you and hold you and protect you and provide for you. One more call. Whoever didn't call on the first or second call, the last call. Help me shame Satan right now. Get out of your chair. Come on down here. Dare to come down here right now and let God have your life. Is there one more? 
Is there one more? I don't want to close if there's one more. Amen. Come on down. Come on down. Praise God. Come on. Give them a hand. They're not done yet. All right. For those who came, lift your right hand up to heaven for me, please. Now, this may be simple, but it is a mystery. You just repeat it after me. Dear Lord, I come to you now just as I am. You know my life, and you know how I've lived. Forgive me, Lord. I repent of my sins. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead. Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my heart. Live your life in me and through me from now on. From this day forward, I belong to you. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Now give yourself a hand clap. Praise God. Woo! Now, I I'm going to have them to take over, but I want you to do this. There are two people that prayed that prayer in your chair, and you didn't come up here, and you prayed it in your chair. I want you to do something for me. Help me now. Help me shame the devil, because there are two people that prayed that prayer in their chair. Get up out of your chair. Come on down here. Stand right here with me. Two people. I know what I'm saying because I know it in my spirit. Come on, you said that prayer in your chair? Help me. Come on down. Stand right here and let's do it openly. Whoever that is, I'm going to give you one more minute. Whoever that is. Whoever that is. That's one. I got one more. I got one more. Come on, I got one more. I know what the Spirit of God gave me. He gave me one more. Come on. I got one more lost one. I got one more. Come on. God wants to do something for you. Amen. Come on down here. Come on down. Come on down. Anybody else? Amen. All right. All right. I'm going to turn these over to them. Now, here's what I'd like to do for you here. Pastor said, uh, uh, Pastor Bill, would you take your own offering? I told him, I'm not going to do nothing but tell him to give. Praise God. So if you would... Take your seats. Prepare your offering. Come on, those who would take care of these that have come up, praise God. Pastor, if you would, or whoever takes care of them, praise God. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, let's keep it rolling here. Praise God. Glory to God. Give them a hand clap, would you? Yeah, thank you, Brother Bill. Hallelujah. Come on, get If you need an offering envelope, raise your hand. These gentlemen will help serve you. And as you give, you know that when you get in an anointing like this, there is a reason that God brings us here. God has a purpose and God gives man opportunities to join himself with God's plan and purpose. And God has a harvest in your life ready for you. Amen. That's why you have a seed. That seed's already been designed by God to bring a harvest in your life. And so you can keep your seed and miss the harvest. But you can sow the seed and get in on the harvest. Well, you heard a good word tonight. Amen. And uh, so we're going to sow a seed that's going to touch his life, bless him, and enable him to preach this gospel that he brought forth tonight around the world. Others need to hear it. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. For the first uh, 10 minutes, I thought that he was in on that fast we had. 
Hallelujah. And uh, I'm telling you, God is about to do something. And uh, we, we were talking about how God judges the world. But God judges those that are without. But he's also warning us that there's judgment coming to the house. And let me tell you something. God is unveiling. And if you look at those that are being judged and being caught in this uncleanness, this idolatry, and this pedophile, and things of that nature, these have all been the enemies of the kingdom. Now listen, they, they are not the friends of the kingdom. These have been the enemies of the kingdom. Now God is bringing judgment to the world, but the church needs to check itself right now because what God is doing in the world, he is doing to bring vengeance or to orchestrate justice. But he's declaring to the church, you have a time of mercy, remedy and right yourself so that when I come, he's not going to find something that he needs to deal with. It's time for the church to wake up. God is rising people up. The work of iniquity is being exposed in the kingdom of the world, but it's going to be dealt with and needs to be dealt with in the kingdom of God. God is positioning us to shake this world. God is positioning us to preach the world as has never been preached before. God's not holding back. God is aggressively moving forward for his people. And God is going to pour out his spirit. When he said he's pouring it out, listen, he's going to pour it out and there's not going to be anything left. When we go out of here, we're going out in full-fledged demonstration, Holy Ghost, washed. Man, I'm telling you what, God is going to do a work in the world today. Hallelujah. Listen, I, I'm believing that, look, I, I thank God what God is doing, but I'm believing when I touch my foot on foreign soil that the vibrations of my feet will send revival down the streets before I get there and that that nation will not be changed because I showed up. Amen. Somebody's got to believe something. I think I'm just going to believe that I'm the guy that God's going to do it for. So let's, you and I, rise up. Remember, we've been washed in the blood. We have been cleansed. We are not common. We are an uncommon. We are a supernatural breed born for a time such as this. And this is the time of God for you and I. Everything else has been preparatory, but now it's time to let God be God and let us rise up and be the light of the world and let us set the fields on fire and let us loose God in our lives and let God begin to overtake the reapers, overtake the sower, and let God be God in our world. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we're going to sow a seed tonight. Hallelujah. And I'll tell you what, God is going to do something good. Amen. Hallelujah. So you get your seed ready. Come on, lift it up towards heaven and say, this is my anointed seed. It's going to bring forth an anointed harvest. And it is going to leap forward speedily. For this is my hour. This is my seed. And this is my seed's destiny to bring forth my harvest. From this full day forward, I'm a giver, but I'm a receiver. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Stand your feet.